unshakable confidence for a start. It was the inevitable result of his rock-solid certainty about what lay ahead and had always lain ahead from the moment of his birth. Could she really give up her independence to go and live with him, however obvious it might seem that she should? A slightly tatty rented flat in Crouch End versus a smart apartment in Kensington. Was she insane to reject the latter? How can I be twenty-five and so hopelessly uncertain of the future? She had asked herself as she packed her bag for the trip. Here I am, in a flat I don't own, about to take a holiday from a job I don't like, with a man I hardly care about. What's wrong with me? By the time her mother, Sophia, was Alexis's age, she had already been married for several years and had two children. How could she have been so settled when Alexis still felt such a child? If she knew more about how her mother had approached life, perhaps it would help her to make her own decisions. Alexis had only one clue to her mother's past. A faded wedding picture which had stood on Sophia's bedside table for as long as Alexis could remember. The ornate silver frame worn thin with polishing. Sometimes she asked her mother questions about the beautiful lady in lace and the chiselled, platinum-haired man. What were their names? Why did he have grey hair? Where were they now? Sophia had given the briefest of answers, that they were her Aunt Maria and Uncle Nikolaos, that they had lived in Crete and that they were now both dead. It was the status of this picture the only framed photograph in the entire house, apart from those of herself and her younger brother Nick, that intrigued her as much as anything. This couple had clearly been significant in her mother's childhood, and yet Sophia always seemed so reluctant to talk about them. On the night before she was to leave for her holiday, she had gone to her parents' home, a Victorian terraced house in a quiet Battersea street. Hi, Mum, she called into the silent space of the hallway. Guessing that her mother would be upstairs, she took the steps two at a time, and as she entered her parents' room, she marvelled, as usual, at its extreme orderliness. There were no clues to her mother's personality or past, not a picture on the wall, not a book by the bedside, just the one framed photograph next to the bed. If the sparse minimalism of the master bedroom made it Sophia's, Marcus's space was his study, where books were piled in columns on the floor. Sometimes these heavyweight towers would topple and the tomes would scatter across the room. The only way across to his desk then was to use the leather-bound volumes as stepping stones. But the kitchen was for everyone. The round 1970s pine table, the first piece of furniture that Sophia and Marcus had ever bought together, was the focal point. The place where everyone came together, talked, played games, ate, and, in spite of the heated debates and disagreements that often raged around it, became a family. Hello, said Sophia, greeting her daughter's reflection in the mirror. She was simultaneously combing her short, blonde-streaked hair and rummaging in a small jewellery box.
I'm nearly ready, she added, fastening some coral earrings that matched her blouse. Hello, Mum, Alexis said quietly. When's Dad back? Quite soon, I hope. He knows you've got to be up early tomorrow, so he promised not to be late. Alexis picked up the familiar photograph and took a deep breath. Even in her mid-twenties, she still found herself having to summon up courage to force her way into the no-go region of her mother's past, as though she was ducking under the striped tape that cordoned off the scene of a crime. There was, however, one question she had to ask. Could I? asked Alexis. Could I go and see where you grew up? Apart from a Christian name that acknowledged her Greek blood, the only outward sign Alexis had of her maternal origins were her dark brown eyes, and that night she used them to full effect, locking her mother in her gaze. We're going to Crete at the end of our trip, and it would be such a waste to travel all that way and miss the chance. Sophia was a woman who found it hard to smile, to show her feelings, to embrace. Yes, she said hesitantly. I suppose you could. Yes, it would be a good opportunity. I'll write a note for you to take to Fatini Zavaras. She knew my family. Alexis shone with excitement. Thanks, Mum. Where exactly is the village? She added. In relation to Hania. Plaka is about two hours east of Iraklion. So from Hania, it might take you four or five hours. It's quite a distance for a day. The careless bang of the front door announced Marcus's return from the university library. A bespectacled bear of a man with thick silvery hair, who probably weighed as much as his wife and daughter combined, he greeted Alexis with a huge smile as she ran down from her mother's room and took off from the final stair. My beautiful girl, he said, enveloping her in the sort of warm and comfortable embrace that only fathers of such generous proportions can offer. They left for the restaurant soon after, a five-minute walk from the house. Nestling in the row of glossy wine bars, overpriced patisseries and trendy fusion restaurants, Taverna Lukakis was the constant. The owner, Gregorio, greeted the trio as the old friends they were, and so ritualistic were their visits that he knew even before they sat down what they would order. It was a light-hearted evening. The three of them had not been together for several months, and Alexis had much to catch up on, not least all the tales of Nick's love life. In Manchester, doing postgraduate work, Alexis's brother was in no hurry to grow up, and his family were constantly amazed at the complexity of his relationships. Alexis and her father then began to exchange anecdotes about their work, and Sophia found her mind wandering back to when they had first come to this restaurant, and Gregorio had stacked up a pile of cushions so that Alexis could reach the table. 
For more than 20 years, almost every landmark of their lives had been celebrated there, with the same tape of popular Greek tunes playing on a loop in the background. They finished their meal, politely drank the complimentary raki to the halfway mark, and left for home. Alexis would sleep in her old room tonight, and she looked forward to those few hours in her childhood bed before she had to get up and take the underground to Heathrow in the morning. When they returned from the restaurant, Alexis made her mother some coffee, and Sophia sat at the kitchen table, composing the letter to Fatini. The whole process was conducted in silence, absorbing Sophia completely. Alexis had sensed that if she spoke, the spell might be broken and her mother might have a change of heart after all. For two and a half weeks now, Sophia's letter had sat in the safe inner pocket of Alexis's bag, as precious as her passport. Indeed, it was a passport in its own right, since it would be her way of gaining access to her mother's past. These were the last days of their vacation, and having reluctantly visited Knossos and the archaeological museum at Heraklion, Ed was keen to spend the few days before their long boat journey back to Piraeus on the beach. Alexis, however, had other plans. I'm going to visit an old friend of my mother's tomorrow. It was the first time she had mentioned her pilgrimage to Ed, and she braced herself for his reaction. Oh, that's terrific, he snapped, adding resentfully. Presumably you're taking the car. Not long after the sun had risen over the hills...